you basically want to you want to get in there so that there gets in you, right? And yeah, then you take yeah. it's so, yeah. it's like that venom uh, character yep. where like there's that weird thing that gets in his body and then um, assaults people or whatever it does. It's exactly like that. Scotch. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 363 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm the webs programmer. I'm Sam and I don't program at all. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is Friday the 13th of oh. May, oh, 2020. Oh no, oh no. Uh, so before we get started, we have a warning. There's going to be profanity on this show. Also and murder. Just a, yeah. a lot of bad luck, murder, yeah. uh, treachery, stuff like that. We'd just like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. Uh, thank you very much for your recurring donations. Uh, now, there's a lot of stuff happening in the studio right now, but none of it we can really go into much yeah. informative detail about. Uh Without being boring, because it's <laughs> just too. You know those stories where someone's like they tell the whole story and they're like, "You just had to be there," you know. Mm-hmm. That's sort of what what it is, right? Or you know how sometimes when you're telling a story and as you're like getting into it, you suddenly realize, "Oh no, this it's is one a of boring those. story." Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or you, or you think, "Oh wait, hold on." Before I tell you this part, let me back up a sec and explain the context, and then you have to do that seven times. Oh, now, now you're just out. talking about having ADHD. You know, then it turns mm-hmm. out that the story's three hours long, but mm-hmm. it, there was no point. Yep. The that would be totally could have gotten happened. it with, with low context, you know, but uh-huh. I didn't want them to yeah. possibly read it weird. That so reminds yeah. me of one of the pieces of feedback I got in grad school um, was I was giving a talk. And, and, you know, my presentations like went off well. People liked them, you know. So the, the, the main criticism I got from my advisor was you do a lot of parenthetical speaking, you know, where you'll be saying something and then you'll kind of pause and then you'll kind of put it in, put something in parentheses, sort of like, mm-hmm. like that idea, right? Where it's like, you'll add some context or you'll like take a step back and like, and, right. And it was presented as if it was a bad thing. At the time I was just like, well, I mean, it feels like I'm, it's necessary to provide context. And like, now I know that really that was just like the ADHD mind at work, right? Which is like, yeah. <laughs> it's constantly searching for <laughs> for things, right, that might be appropriate and need to be inserted in. And uh, and like now thinking back, it makes me wonder, like, was I providing context? Or did I just think of something else? You, you know, probably were providing context. About- <laughs> <laughs> you were yeah. providing context. The question is, did it actually need to be provided? Was it necessary usually context? Like, yeah. You know. But it's like, also according to whom, you know, like who gets to decide if my I mean, words necessary. aren't even real anyways. Yeah. So yeah. who we're cares? Making, we're making mouth sounds and that somehow is yeah. generating ideas in your head. I mean, this whole thing it is, is weird. weird. What is happening? It's, you know? it's weird that every word is circularly defined, you know, because it relies mm-hmm. on other words. So there's no such thing as a word that is defined on its own. Right. So we bootstrapped a system where everything is defined in relation to something else. It also has to be defined in relation to something else. And then we can more or less successfully communicate. Yeah, it's fucking rad. weird. I like it. But to kind of circle back, what that means is uh, there's a lot of stuff happening in the studio right now. But it's all <laughs> very involved and complex. Um, uh-huh. And uh, we can't really talk about it because it would just take too long. So <laughs> we're going to just do questions. Uh, so let's just get into let's it. Roll. 
You guys ready? Yeah. 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 Keep my parenthetical uh, highest, to minimum. No. Highest upvoted question comes from Tim Conceivable, who says, sort of related to the talk about employee pay a while ago on the podcast. Uh, at least in the U.S., there seems to be a very heavy social stigma of not sharing your pay rate with others, especially coworkers. I can see how this benefits employers and not workers, and I don't really understand why people are afraid to share this info, because it should benefit workers in general mm. if pay is more transparent. What are your thoughts on this? I yeah. am. I have many thoughts on this, but the first one, which, which is just a PSA, which is that it is illegal for an employer to punish yeah. you for sharing your pay rate with your fellow employees or just publicly. Um, mm -hmm. Literally illegal. So if you got an in employer in the U.S., if you got and federally illegal, so Big these illegal. fucking these fucking states who are all about stealing rights can't even steal this one. I mean, they could try, but they can't actually steal this from me. Mm -hmm. So all that said, of course, like the fact of a thing being illegal and you be able to do something about it. There's a gap. You know, there's always a gap. There's a gap you know. there. But mm -hmm. but at least just know that that is technically illegal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is, a, this is a circular problem, right? Because we've talked in the past about how, how some, some people believe that if you ask somebody, you know, what do you do? Like, what, what do you do for a living, right? That that's some form of a judgment mm -hmm. as, as mm -hmm. opposed to just, you know, being interested. Or that they're trying um, to triangulate how they should judge you. So that they know how to treat you moving forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so so part of that is you know is linked to pay, right? So if so, if somebody says, "What do you do?" and you say, "Oh, I'm a doctor," right? They think like, "Oh, this person makes a lot of money," mm -hmm. right? Uh, and and so there is this idea um, in a in an individualistic society like the U.S. that that your value as a person is connected to what your paycheck is, the, how big the numbers are. On your that's paycheck. not individualism. That's the capitalism. Yeah. Just, right. Yeah. Um, and so as a result, people uh, don't want to talk about their salary, regardless of whether it's, whether they believe that it's high or low, because if it's high, they don't want to seem condescending. Mm -hmm. And if it's low, they don't want people to know because they feel like they're going to be judged. Right? Unless they're charlatans who love talking about how high their salaries are. They fucking yeah. love that shit. Yeah. And then there's people in that weird middle ground who don't make much money, but pretend like they make a lot of money and try charlatans. to show that off as much yep. as they can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, which is, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, so, so the problem is all this kind of blends together to make it so that people don't talk about income um, and as a result, it's very opaque, right? But like Adam yeah. was saying, it's illegal for your employer to fire you it, for, for talking with your coworkers about wages. Mm -hmm. And uh, you could even like go to all of your coworkers and like put together a spreadsheet and like post it in the break room and be like, mm -hmm. this is how much everybody gets, right? And, you know, something that's kind of weird about these things is, is that salaries are – really hard, like, and, and hourly rates and stuff are really hard to triangulate because people often talk about like, well, what's the, you know, the median for this industry, right? Um, but the median pay, if, if you get that in San Francisco versus in, you know, Des Moines, Iowa, it means totally different things, mm -hmm. right? And also uh, seniority plays a role. So if people have been uh, with a, a company longer, but they're doing the same job, they may be paid more because of you know, mm -hmm. just general raises over time. Um, or you have weird stuff like 
somebody gets hired into the company as a new hire and they get paid way more than people who have been there for a while because that usually is how that goes. <laughs> uh, because people tend to change jobs to get pay raises because companies will oftentimes not raise salaries internally commensurate with market forces, yeah. right? And so, so what it essentially means is that although there's sort of like a general understandable range of pay for a specific job, where you land in that range is very arbitrary, yeah, very oftentimes. Well, and the range itself is also arbitrary oh, in the first place because it's, it's dictated by it's purely dictated by market forces, which is what can what given the it's the, supply and demand. It's, and it's a, a bunch supply of and demand, and then like and then what people are and then. But it's a lot more complicated than that, right? Because companies are also competing with each other for talent often, mm -hmm. but also companies are competing with each other for how evil they can be too, right? Yep. And so depending on which sort of segment of which market you're in and all that kind of stuff, like all these factors come together to sort of create this, here's this arbitrary salary range, and then people confuse what that means, right? And they think that that's the, that means that that's the value that you're, like that mon monetary value is like that they're paying is what you, like what your services are worth, Mm -hmm. Right, as in, like they'll get that money back or whatever through the company, or more or whatever. Right, when there's no way to even measure that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I mean, this is this is a conversation we had at the very beginning of the studio. We we were just like, what does any of this mean? Right. <laughs> so if you think about like, so think about like um, when so like when we had our office uh, in like closer to to downtown St. Louis. Right, there was a bunch of uh, staff who worked at that building who right they were, were required they in order for the, the whole thing building running there right. were repairs they had you know internet service they had cleaning crews and, and all that stuff right? yeah yeah we could and we could yeah. just we could just call them up and be like oh hey like we just need better we need a dedicated ip address and they'll be like cool we'll figure out how to make that happen and then like so that it happens you know like it's that yeah. kind of stuff yeah and so the question is like having that happen or you know having the the cleaning crew come and like empty the trash cans at, every evening um, how much money did we make as a company from them doing that? Mm -hmm. We have no idea, right? But definitely some amount, right? Mm -hmm. Because if they didn't do that, we would have had to do it ourselves. Um, which right? we, which we what, did we were, do yeah, when we were working for Seth's basement or yeah. for our own homes, you know? Like, yeah. And, and so there are some jobs like being a salesperson, right? Where, you know, you get that commission um, and – there's this idea that that your personal you know contribution to the company's revenue can be directly measured, yeah. which is also bullshit because of course you are existing in a in an infrastructure created by the company to allow you to make those sales, mm -hmm. right? Um, it's kind of like how you know you can drive down the road in your car and like you didn't make the road that the road came from the community taxes and well, everything then, else. But even further right? than that, I feel like anybody who's worked in those kinds of sales uh, positions will all have variations of the same story, which is that in the internal politicking, like people with seniority would get the better clients and like, you know, right. Like that's, yeah. so your ability to deliver value actually is not directly connected with your You're not fully ability. in control of it. Control. Like, and of course, like you control some things. Yeah. Right? But for but, the company to treat it as in like, oh, your entire value that you bring, this is why also like commission-based pay is often terrible. Uh, like the entire value you bring is through this. And like, and it's easy to confuse like that that's actually literally what's happening, right? Except yeah. they're dictating what that possible range is. And then they're accusing you of being the one who dictated that, right? right. So like- So the, the value you're able to create is based on the infrastructure of the system that you participate in, right? Yeah. Uh, 
to a, to a good degree. And then there's some portion of that sort of like, uh, whether you consider it a multiplier, additive, whatever, if that is sort of the individual's um, uh, kind of capability within whatever that role is to then sort of ex- like maximally extract based on that yeah. kind of starting. Yeah, it's it's a really the good, same way everything else does, right? Yeah, a really good infrastructure will make even somebody who's not very good at their job perform well, mm-hmm. right? A really bad infrastructure can be overcome by somebody who's really good at their job to an extent, right? But the best scenario, obviously, is someone who's really good at their job with really good infrastructure and support behind them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah. But, it's the but, now, but then there's a question of, should that person be paid a lot more because they're <laughs> able to bring more yeah. value? And the answer is, I have no idea, right? Yeah, because um, also, why should those two things be connected, right? Yeah, yeah. like if you take the same person and put them in a, in a company that you know makes it hard for them to do their job, but they do it well. They're working a lot harder to get, you know, the same results. <laughs> yeah. So if you're paying by effort, then that person should be paid a lot more, right? But if you put them in a company that actually supports them, then they could work less hard but get better results. Well, a good example. And you could is- argue there that like they're not working as hard, so they shouldn't be paid as much. Or you could say they're bringing more value, so they should be paid more. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's interesting. But well, that like, assumes the- you could actually measure the value in some way, right? Right. Yeah. But look and at the, the game, effort. like the game changer as an example, right? So we got this thing in now that allows me to do Seth's job. Like a lot of what Seth has done over the last 10 years, I do now, right? Right. So we could pay yeah. Seth less and Sam more as a consequence would be one right. option. Because I'm take. doing what he used to do, but also, yeah. and I'm doing a lot more technically because like in terms of how much stuff is getting put in the game, it's literally it's like we're looking at it from that past like two or three weeks. It is it is actually probably more than 10X. Like it's a, this thing is paid off yeah. in space, right? Yeah, so, the return was exactly what we were hoping for and yeah. maybe we... Maybe we underdreamed actually on what we thought was going to happen. Yeah. Well, what we're yeah now we have this weird problem where my job has completely become managing the problems created by the scale of stuff that is now appearing yeah. in the game, right? Because like none of the game systems were able to handle this much stuff coming into the game this fast, and so that's my job now. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Just trying to manage that. But the thing uh, is, like, without you managing that, then it doesn't matter that it puts. Like ten times amount of stuff. Going yeah, through, you know. So I think that's where it gets weird, right? Because like, okay, well, so but I mean, because the thing is, like, you still could though, right? Because like, it just your your work becomes more difficult if Seth doesn't do it. Correct. Right. If Seth doesn't shore that stuff up, because the whole point of all of this is that is that just like the reason we pay our taxes, just like all these things, right? Like a a company trying to accomplish something is a team of people who, if they've been hired, should be necessary as part of what has to happen for that team slash company to actually successfully do what it's doing. Right. And it can't be decoupled because it's necessary in some way. Right. And it's not measurable because without any given person's role, everybody else, everybody else's job is worse. Changes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Changes. They have to do other stuff. Um, So, so treating it in this, I guess as Seth called it individualistic way where it's like, you're just responsible for like whatever, whatever happens, that's just on you as if there's no context, right? And we pay accordingly based on like, here's the market rate. So uh, the range of market rates, which who knows how those came to be. So there's your rate. And then uh-huh. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, in our own context, we'll just say like, what? So you do well or you do poorly. And like, if you do poorly, that's completely on you. And like, you know, like, yeah, yeah that's, the, that's the current system. Yeah. So long story short, um, all, all of this stuff is, is kind of, it's all made up. It's, yeah. And yeah, it's, so yeah. if you don't, um, talk to people about it, 
then you have no because again, you, like you gotta, you're salaries it's like are a just sonar thing, right? Like you got to ping off some solid yeah. surfaces to figure out what's happening because actually the the value of all this stuff is all in the in the relative nature of it. So whether or not even you know whether or not you're talking to your direct uh, like you know coworkers or collaborators or just like looking online for you know commensurate rates, whether it's in your area generally, whatever. Like you should have a general idea, kind of of like what you could get. But I think the other mistake people make in this regard too, especially once you get into salaried positions, is the fact that when you're looking at benefits on top of salary, then you have a sh- just a tremendous amount of obfuscation going on as well. So you might make, yeah. you can make 90K, for example, uh, and that can feel very different depending on what the benefits the company gives to you versus- Depending, on, depending on vacation time, sick time. Yeah, health if, insurance. If you have you know, uh, uh, health insurance, yeah. yeah they're they're both tangible and, and intangible- yeah. Benefits. Yeah. Work out. Yeah. If you're if you're making that much money, but you're in one of those companies that uh, refuses to leave you the hell alone, you know, <laughs> yeah. on, on weekends and vacations or whatever, versus if you made that same amount of money, but you actually got to you know con- constrain and control your work hours and have your own life outside of work, then a- everybody. Would be like, yeah. I mean, I'd I'd take the one yeah, where that one's more valuable. Actually, I, right? I, I'd yeah. take the one with the balance, right? Because yeah. well, and people um, will take a pay cut for that, right? So, yep. yeah, which, or well, yeah, you'll take a pay cut for a, a commute. You know, yep. if, you're, if you're just like, yeah, you know, I don't have to commute anymore, so I'm saving an hour a day, and it's like, yeah, that's worth so that's worth something, right? Yeah, and of course, you shouldn't um, have to take a pay cut to get that necessarily, but. Given the given those as your choices, like that's yeah. often what people do if they can afford it. Yeah, right? the point is that just just exchanging the numbers oftentimes uh, even further yeah, muddies the water as far because it, again it's it's one of those unfortunate things where it's like you ideally you can ask follow up questions. It's like okay, yeah, if the base pay is X, like sixty k, whatever. Sure, from an industry standpoint, but also like what's the industry standpoint as far as like what's happening with health insurance? Like, do you is it paid for completely by the employer? Is it like the half half split thing? You know, what all that stuff? How many vacation days? Like. You, it's really hard to get a clear picture actually of what you consider like, you know, the, the value delivered from just the salary because it is, it's, it's a piece of the picture, right? Yeah. And it's a very important and also, what's, saying, no. what's the moment to moment work? What is it like to work with your team? You know, all these things, right? Because the fact is we all spend most of our waking hours at work, right? Mm-hmm. And we, we have to, to survive under capitalism. Like it's just what we have to do. So we're all doing this for our whole lives, right? And there's an enormous value in having those hours not suck, you know? <laughs> yeah. So like a huge value. And in fact, like that's the main thing that I care about personally is just like if I can if I'm financially fine, like I don't I don't care if I'm wealthy as long as like I'm va- basically safe, right? And if I if my day-to-day is something that at worst is annoying sometimes, right? But that mostly is something that I just enjoy doing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like the what's the value? The, that's worth something. Yeah, that's worth that's yeah. worth yeah. that's worth more than almost anything, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So, so like once you once your baseline needs are met, yes, yeah. Right. So like we we have to break out of this this mental model that like that you're you are doing some kind of harm to yourself or others by comparing your your pay rate to theirs, mm-hmm. and, and like publicly discussing those things um, because it is, it is the case that that just gives you more information. Mm-hmm. And since, since salaries and, and 
and wages are often just based on other people's salaries. Like that's what companies do, right? Companies look at median salaries and they look at salary ranges. Like how much do people typically get paid for this yeah, it's, job? It's okay, all well, okay, relational. We'll all relational. Yeah, they're like, okay, we'll open up a job opening uh, just above the median. It goes or something back like to that, right? our the idea of words being defined with other words, right? It's yeah. the same. It's the same yeah. shit. Yeah, it's salaries are just defined off, like, yeah. and that's what companies do. They define off of other salaries, and they will try to lowball you. Like, they'll try to like get you just to a point where they think it'll be like better than you know probably where you're at, but no higher than that or whatever, yeah. right? But they may actually have other people in the company already making more than that or, or less or making far less than <laughs> yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so, yeah, something that I always thought was really bizarre that, I mean, I, I understand it because there's a, there's a power dynamic when it comes to hiring, mm-hmm. um, but that like a company will ask for your references, but it would be considered bad practice for you as an employee to ask to speak to some of their current employees and interview them about how they feel about working there. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. At where you could ask, for example, what's your salary? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you feel like you get, do you have autonomy? Are you treated fairly? Uh, what yeah. happens if you ask for a time off? How do they respond to that? You know, like the are fact you, that, you're that trying to get out, that's, you know? yeah, the fact that like, you're not supposed to ask those questions. Mm-hmm. Um, well, some, and some people, but, but the company can ask whatever they want about your work history. But even know, some, I think uh, there's a some companies in the interview stage also will get really mad if you during the interview stage actually inquire about you know benefits, time off, balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is, they'll say, "Oh, so you're just, just here for the money," and it's like, I mean, yeah, like I need that. Yeah, I need if you're, if I need benefits. I need yeah. time off. I need money. Yeah, if so you're hiring, that's, that's the exchange. Yeah, if you're hiring, <laughs> we're all people, here for the money first because we to have to. You have and to have then, it, and then we're trying to, after the money, have the best lives that we can. Yeah, you know, but you got to make sure that it's there. You got to make sure the money's there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think if yeah. you're if you're on the employing side uh, and you're looking to hire people, don't be weird about it uh, during interviews and stuff if people are direct asking these questions. And then also, you know, also be direct with people early in that whole process about what the actual pay range is and that sort of thing uh, so that you're not- Don't waste people's time. Just don't waste people's time, man. Just fuck yeah, Well, this is the exploitative shit that happens. So, and, like, and, and most companies do this because they're-, they're, they're f- they, they don't want to- because they're, they're assuming that downstream, once everybody's like, yes, we want to work together, right? That that's when the negotiation phase is going to happen, where they're going to try to get you for as cheap as possible, right? And so they want to get as much information about you as they can, so they can figure out what that range is going to be that they're going to throw at you that they think they can get you for, right? Well, importantly, like, you know, it's not like we don't do this too. Like this is this is how you do it. This is just what a negotiation is, right? In terms of like pinning a salary on someone. In terms of like you say, hey, here's like a range, right? To start. Hopefully, in terms of job description, so you know people are into it as far as coming in, and then you. That's what I'm saying is like is that it. So federally, you're not required to like post a salary, right? Some states, like Colorado, has that requirement. A few others do, Um, not very many. uh, Where if you post a job listing, it has to include a salary range of like what you'd be paying, right? But most don't. So most for for the vast majority of of positions, it'll depend on the industry too. When you come into that interview, you have literally no idea what the possible pay is. Mm. Like what you don't you don't know anything about it. And if you ask about it before you get to the before part the of end. Like the inter- <laughs> before the end, then they actually will kick you out often, right? Yep. Because that they take that as a signal that like you're here for the wrong reasons, right? And so what a dumb game. That's, that's like if, yeah, if you're doing that as a company, 
but, but again, the reason they do that is because, uh, cause they're not playing cause there, there's different ways to play that like negotiation game, right. Mm-hmm. Of like, cause one way is to say, what's the lowest we can get away with. Right. Mm-hmm. The other one is to say, given our company's reality, um, what's an appropriate, what can appropriate. we, yeah, what's an appropriate and what can, what can we reasonably afford? And what will give us room for the kind of growth that we're doing? Like those kinds of questions, right? Where you can focus on what can we get away with, right? Or you mm-hmm. could focus on what feels like an appropriate move, right? Mm-hmm. And in, both, in all cases, like there's still negotiations that can happen, right? Mm-hmm. But one's hostile and the other one's more like <laughs> information focused, right? And since most of them are hostile, then what they're trying to do is, is, ha- is maintain that information asymmetry as long as possible and increase your sunk cost fallacy depths, right? By... Seven rounds. Stringing you into this process so that- They want to wear you down. They want to wear you down so that by the time you finally get to the end, you're like, okay, and you're just so happy that you made it so far through the process, right? That they then throw their shitty numbers at you. You're exhausted. You need the job, you know? And so you're more likely to take it with less of a fight, right? Um so if yeah, you're a great way to great way to kick off a working relationship. Yeah. So if, if you're an employer, <laughs> if you're an employer doing that shit, quit doing that shit. That's really, really bad toxic stuff to be forming a yeah, relationship yeah. with your you employer. You gotta offer up offer up a, a number that you think is good, mm-hmm. you know, that you think the person would would like. Um because then there are also those points where, you know, they may they may see that and they'd be like, Yeah, that's good. That's good. I'm I don't need to I don't need to negotiate higher because I feel like you gave me your best offer, you know, like mm-hmm. and negotiating higher like I, you probably can't do better than that even cuz it's just such a good offer. So I will say <laughs> always, you know, if if you're getting hired somewhere, always Oh yeah, always, always ask, ask for always whether it's more benefits, always get something in there, you know, before you actually sign the papers. But. Yeah, I, I feel like this is something that that our generation um like is like vaguely aware of, but I feel like the younger generations are becoming much better at advocating for themselves yeah. in these, in these regards. I um, hope so. Like there's just, there's just so much more conversation I see online and everywhere mm-hmm. about like workers' rights and about salary negotiations and what, like what are your rights um, when it comes to talking about, about your wages and about pay. And like, you, you even see like um, all these things happening in the news of, of people unionizing at like Starbucks and Amazon, yeah, yeah. you know? Um, and like, there was, there was a time not too long ago, like 10 years ago where uh, nobody was talking about unions. <laughs> nobody <laughs> was talking, except for, except for in the auto automobile manufacturing. And even in that case, it was always talked about as, oh, well, like the whole reason that these auto companies are moving their factories out of the U.S. is because of these dang unions asking for so much money, you know? Um, And it was was talked about as like – as a bad thing. You know, the unions are killing jobs by demanding reasonable pay and hours. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, no, it's the the employer that's doing that. Uh, But anyways. So yeah, talk about the whole system. Know your your rights. all right. Next question comes from Fraser, who says, a recent episode detailed how you now think that bias toward action is a disastrous philosophy that leads to bad code, wasted time, and tech debt. Does this mark the end of, you've just got to get in there as a studio work <laughs> principle? No. Uh, well, no, because that's a, yeah, you, that's a different. You're getting in there differently now. You know what I mean? You're still getting in there. Well, yeah. So I'd say two things. One is you just got to get in there is a front-loaded philosophy, which is like if you don't have any information, yeah. Um, then, in my opinion, 
biasing toward action is one of the fastest and best ways to get early information. But right. you have to so treat kind of it like, as that, not as solving the problem, which is the difference, I think, right? Yeah. So think about it as like, if you want to become a, a painter, right? You could research painters and painting and read all about painting and study the theory of painting for years, right? But can you paint? Uh, no, right? And I think, I think by spending time trying to do the thing that you're studying, um, it gives more context to what it is that you're studying. Yes. You build better mental models and you build the, the practice, right? Um, so I do think that, and it's, it's kind of like, um, I remember when like Adam, you probably speak to this when you were doing your, your PhD stuff and you were in your lab, um, you had a bunch of programming problems that you were solving in the lab and like, yeah, your code wasn't incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, that is an understatement, uh, but, but you, but you, were, you, you had specific problems you needed to solve and you didn't know everything about programming. And so you were just like, I know that programming can solve this. And here's, uh, so I just, I need to like learn enough to do this thing. Right. And you did it and it worked and yeah, it wasn't maintainable. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't any, it wasn't any of the things that you'd call good code, but it mm-hmm. taught you some stuff because you actually did it. Like you went out and made something that you were able to learn from, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that that bias toward action and you just got to get in there is super, super important well, I if, think you're, it, if you're lacking information and context. Yeah, well, I think this is actually, this is really interesting, like how, 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 how this, I think this is actually a good metric for like how somebody frames this and thinks about, you got to get, you just got to get in there, right? Because when I'm thinking of like, even a bias towards action, uh, I don't think that means you have to produce something, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That means in the face of uncertainty, you go try to do something, right? That's what that means. And, and that might method. mean, yeah. yeah, that might mean do more research. That could be what that means, right? It might mean go make a toy, go make a demo, you know, go, go make a prototype. That might mean make a draft of the actual solution that you're trying to deal with, right? Because um, to me, like you just got to get in there is about overcoming the uncertainty threshold, the, the idea, barrier that prevents the, the idea you that you're not ready, like which is sort of always yeah. present, really, no matter what. You're doing. Yeah, because you're always it's the not opposite ready. of it's, it's the opposite of doing nothing. Yeah, yeah. Is you just got to get in there and do just do something. Right? You just got to get in there. Uh, yeah. Um, it's yeah. It's better than doing nothing. And, and then there are also weird times where, like, once you're in there, um, we talked about this idea that if you're stuck on a problem, mm-hmm. sometimes you need to just walk away. Sometimes you just got to get out of there, right? Sometimes you gotta. Sometimes you gotta get out of there. But this is weird, right? Because if Are you, you have out done, of there, or if you just climbed on a ladder and you're looking down, you know, exactly. Like, yeah, because because yeah. once you're in there, you're in there. Ooh, yeah, you know, yeah. or it's because in you. You know what I mean? It's if you so like if you haven't gotten <laughs> in there yet, okay, you haven't gotten in there, then you can spend years decades just hemming and hawing and being like, what if I do it this way? What if I do yep. it that way? Right. But you haven't done anything. You haven't, you haven't gotten in there. And that's very different than being in the middle of a problem and getting stuck and needing to walk away to like, let it settle in your brain so that you can go back to it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that's very different than having not started anything at all. Right. You basically want to, you want to get right. in there so that there gets in you Right. And yeah. Then you take, yeah. It's so, yeah. it's like that venom uh, character yep. where like there's that weird thing that gets in his body and then um, assaults people or whatever it does. It's I don't exactly know. Exactly like that. Yeah. It's exactly <laughs> like. That. Yeah. 
Yeah, but, but it's a symbiotic relationship <laughs> now where you get in there and there gets in you and you are now one and the same. Yeah, and you can yeah, muse. You just have to be careful though about the like the the do something part, right? Because it's I think it's too easy to fall into the trap of like, cause what does it mean to do something? What does it mean to be in there? But right? I think this because is where it's expertise modulated is how I think about it, right? Like the mm-hmm. the be the ability to do something that is uh, getting you in there, okay. When you don't know anything about what the fuck you're doing, uh, oftentimes is a much more like physical or mechanical. Literally, you got to go like start typing some code because uh, like the figuring out the hello world thing, or whatever, right? In the programming sense, mm-hmm. there's a reason. Yeah, but I think it, I think it really it can still just be like literally because these things are so hard to understand. Also, like to, to grok, right? If like if we're taking programming as an example, mm-hmm. then even doing the the process of like starting to look around, like starting to like watch the fucking YouTube video of somebody mm-hmm. like yep. talking through a tutorial, whatever, right? Like, so that, cause the way that I think of getting in there is about how you're confronting uncertainty, right? Because there's, mm-hmm. cause there's another, mm-hmm. there's another side to this, which is, which is less about getting started and more about where you are now having started, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's also extremely easy to take, the comfortable place you are with, 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 which might include a lot of expertise and like the topic Mm -hmm. that you're dealing with. Right. And then staying within your comfortable expertise. Right. Which I would say is not getting in there because you're just already in you're, you're in somewhere. Right. But when it comes to getting in there, that's about confronting and overcoming some sort of an obstacle. Right. Mm. Where for me, like the thing that I think is the most is the obstacle that I want to be pushing against is the one where there's some uncertainty. There's a question of like, well, what, like, could this be different? Could like, what would it look like if I did this? Like, how, how does this work? Right. Those Mm -hmm. kinds of, those kinds of things. What if I knew X, right. And this is a matter of like kind of pushing that, pushing that boundary, pushing into that space, which you want to be doing at every level. And like the, the energy barrier to overcome the initial one of like knowing literally nothing so that all you have is uncertainty is mm. by far the hardest one. Right. And that's why we, and that's why we tend to think about like bias and towards action, all this kind of stuff in the sense of like getting your hands in there to do something. Cause that is the fastest way to learn for most things. Right. But that's not really what it's about. It's just about the sheer amount of uncertainty. I think it's about commitment. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Go but commitment me. to what? It's, yeah. it's commitment to, to momentum. But momentum Where, to what? You know, like what is it? What is it you're moving towards? So, so, you know? so here's so here's an example. Okay, so so Sampy, my wife, has been playing tennis her whole life. Twenty six mm-hmm. years. Tw- I guess by now, probably twenty. Twenty. She's not twenty six. She's been playing tennis for yeah. twenty eight years. It was confusing. Um, you said her whole life, but that's not her age. So just uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so she played tennis in college, and that's how we met. Um, no, I wasn't playing tennis, but she just went to my college. Uh, hey, parentheticals. And she always, <laughs> she always had in her it's mind this clarity. idea of like, like, what if, what if I tried to go pro? Mm-hmm. Uh, she didn't have a lot of tournament opportunities growing up in India, and she was a national tennis champion there. But there's a a big leap from being a national tennis champion in India to being an international professional tennis player, mm-hmm. right? The pro circuit is requires huge amounts of an investment in infrastructure. You know, um, you need coaches, you need facilities, you need full-time like staff and you need people to help you with sponsorship. The thing you need the you most need travel. is money. Mm-hmm. The thing you need the most is money and, 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 and staff. Yeah. <laughs> um, Which staff is so, a form of money, you know what I mean? Yeah. You got to be able to pay, yeah, pay, yeah, people, pay people to, to help you. 
Um, and, and there's this kind of this business investment side of it, which is like, you know, if you, if you win enough tournaments and you win tur- uh, tournaments that are high enough up in the ladder, then you start to, you know, make a positive return mm-hmm. on your investment. Right. And of course the top tournaments are a very positive return, <laughs> yeah. extremely positive. Um, and so, so she had never hit that point of like being willing and able to get into that pro circuit. That opportunity never really presented itself. Mm-hmm. And so we were, we were talking about it this past year in the fall and, uh, and she decided, you know what, I'm going to get in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just, she's like, I don't know. I, I will always be asking myself, what would it have been like to do this thing? Like to go on the professional tennis circuit to do this stuff. Um, yeah, I don't have all the resources that I need. I don't have, you know, all the facilities. I, need. I don't have the, you know, I don't have all that stuff, but I think I can recreate some version of that with mm-hmm. the resources that I have, you know? Um, and so she started talking to people. She started traveling. She started going around to the world, right? So she's in Africa right now mm-hmm. playing a tennis tournament. Um, she spent some time in Singapore. She's, uh, she went to a tournament in, in Florida. Um, so she's just been on the road for six months, five out of the past yeah. six months. Um, and, and she's learning a lot and experiencing all kinds of things where it, it, it was that moment of going from, I wonder what it would be like if, you know, if I did this thing to then saying like, I'm going to start doing this thing in whatever form I can do it in. So that I can at least answer the question, mm-hmm. what yeah, would but, it be like to do this thing? But the know? biggest barrier there was not deciding to get in there. It was that to get in there in that way, to like actually like get into the pro circuit requires so much uh, personal, like familial and financial support because it also, because like also part of like she, she, like she has a coach from a long time ago who's like coaches people on the pro circuit, right? Who she knows. Mm-hmm closely. Right. And like, and so, so she already has access to like all of this stuff so that still it's not like the decision is not what it has become for her. One of the hardest parts, because many of the complete barriers are either removed or crumbled. Also, she has 28 years of tennis experience, which is, you know, also she has 20 years of tennis requirement, which is a good, that's a good starting point. (laughs) Yeah. Cause you can't, you can't be somebody who doesn't have that support, doesn't have those 20 years of, of experience and then say, I want to become a tennis player. I mean, you can do that, but the barrier to you there is not primarily your decision to try. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, 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 that's not even goal, actually, that's about, that's about goal setting, which I think is, is kind of a, an entire mm-hmm. other like section of the, of the conversation. But, but just the, the idea that, that depending on, on what you want to achieve and what your resources and capabilities are, you know, for example, like if you've always wanted to write a book, right? Mm-hmm. And you've and you've had access to a keyboard and a laptop and uh, Google Docs or whatever, you know, for years and years and years, and you just have never sat down and st- and tried to figure out what it means to actually write it. And you've always just thought like, what if I did that, right? Yeah. Then you haven't gotten in there yet, no. right? And I think I think getting in there is is committing to 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 executing some actions toward that goal so that you can start to clear the fog and understand what it really looks like and and what it means. Like I was saying, maybe that maybe those actions are, you know, taking the time to do some research into it or, you know, going out and networking and talking to people about it or whatever, but you're doing stuff as opposed to just sitting there thinking about like what would this be like? Yeah, but we can't discount yeah. the reality that like it's not for, it's because writing a books is a good example. Like it's not just a matter of like do I have a keyboard? Everybody's got a keyboard. 
you could, I mean, you could write a novel on a phone, you know, if you've, or if on, you really wanted God to, forbid, right? pencil and paper. Yeah. But Ooh. like, but what are, <laughs> what are the things that, cause, but, but I think another interpretation of that is that the thing, it's not the access to a keyboard that is in the way of somebody writing a novel if they want to, right? Yeah. It's a million other things. And, and so there's a, there's a combo here, which is, which is, well, it's is, committing to is, create, trying to create the space to well, make this it happen. Is, and this is the part I'm trying to remove is the commitment part because the commitment puts it all on you, right? And my point here is that the degree of commitment you have to have to like get over some threshold depends on the size of that threshold, right? And so if it becomes about commitment and like it's just, well, you're, you got to commit harder, right? Well, that's easy to say, right? Except if what it means for you to commit is, well, I don't have any time because I'm underwater with all the stuff. Uh, so like I have, I have 10 minutes of, of quote unquote free time a day. Right. So, and that whole time I'm stressed because I don't have enough income to do stuff. I'm like underwater with loans, blah, 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 blah. Uh, you could look at that person and say, well, you just got to commit harder and use those 20 minutes to write your novel. I know that's what you're, I know, no, I'm not saying that's what you're saying. What I'm saying is that that's, that messaging of like, it's about commitment. I'm not saying you need to commit has harder. those implications. I'm saying you need to commit period. Yeah, I think commitment because to me, to me, it's about saying peace. It, right. right. Yeah. Cause to me, to me, this is about saying like, if, if structurally you're in a position where you have a goal and none of the structures that are in place are, are allowing you to get to that goal or are preventing you from getting to that goal, then, then the first step is is working toward figuring out how to change those structures, right? And some sure. some of them are some Which of them are changeable, not, and some of them aren't. Yeah, I was right? say that's a, that's the core um, point is that it's not about just you deciding to because some of those things are not possible. Yeah, but but this is but this is about control, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is like everybody has a different set of resources and constraints available to them, right? Exactly. Yep. And so that's, like that's so like if point. I yep. so if I decided like I'm going to be a professional tennis player, right? Literally impossible. Yeah, <laughs> it's literally impossible for me to do that. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's the made, part that's I wanted to me. make sure. That's what I wanted to make sure was clear, right? Is that it's not a matter of just like. But that's that's the thing for it being a goal setting thing, which is like, yeah, you can't. Yeah, yeah. Like if if you decide to do something that is literally impossible for you to do um, mm -hmm. on any time scale, right? Mm -hmm. Which is where I'm at with with tennis, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, like by the time I reach the level of skill that that my wife has, I will be dead. And <laughs> like, and I actually can't do it because my joints physically will be physically yeah. flying apart and bolts will be flying out of my, my robot body parts that I'll be re trying to replace as fast as they disintegrate. Uh, and I just won't be able to do it. Right. Yeah. And so like, that's something where, where if I've decided to commit to that goal, that was just a bad decision. Yeah. I can't, I literally can't do that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so so part of that is is choosing goals that that you believe that you either can do now or that you can adjust your your circumstances or structures to make the space for those things to happen. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. but but if you if you set a goal that you could adjust stuff to reach and then you don't adjust anything, then to me that that's where I'm saying like that's not that that's you not committing to trying to achieve that goal mm -hmm. and and work towards it. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's, and so that's accurate. And the thing about this is the thing I'm trying to avoid is that because the, because this is the messaging that we all get all the time from everything around us. Right. Which is, which is basically, and it brings us back to the salary stuff, which is that it's all on you. Right. Yeah. And that's true. Right. It's, it is up to your actions. Right. Um, but the problem is we attach so much of a judgment 
to that, right? Because 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 the question here is like, is it's it's very easy and like rational to say don't make goals that you can't possibly accomplish, right? Except what is it? How do you know what you can and can't accomplish, right? When like you're part of an oppressive system, right? But what that's simultaneously oppressive, but also is trying to constantly tell you like, oh, like you could literally do anything. There's nothing in your way, right? And we pretend that there isn't anything. Because so my point with all this is that that's the messaging everybody gets, right? Is that simultaneously it's all on you, and there's nothing in your way. Yeah. Therefore, it's, it's not all about a, how hard yeah, you work. Yeah, right? it's not about yeah, it's not all about you. I think it's for me, it's just about trying to be honest and get a, get an understanding of what your current capabilities are and what your current resources are and what you think you could get those capabilities and resources to become over time. And mm-hmm. and setting goals commensurate with those things, oh, yeah. right? Um, and but I if you say that that's very hard, is, is that? It's extremely hard to do. Hard. I think actually, and part of it is that's what getting in there is all. Yeah, about. that's yeah. what I was going to yeah. say. Which is that a lot of times, what the what the form of quote unquote getting in there is uh, is oftentimes appropriately figuring out what that basically what that thing is to do. So, for example. Uh, the best way to, as we're talking about with the salaries, is to know if you're being paid, like, you know, commensurate with probably what you should be being paid, is not to just ask yourself or to ask just the person who's paying you, right? It's actually to ping hey, off- the person who's paying me, <laughs> do you think you should be paying me more? Right. Or, hey, me, like, do I think I should get more money? Because, yeah, I mean, obviously, yes. Of course, of course. I do. Uh, so the the answer is actually to ping off of other sources. So that's one of those things where it's if you're if you haven't gotten in there, you know, with regards to whatever programming art, even if you're like a home project, you know, um, if you haven't gone and, and poked around a bit to again ping off of get a sort of use the sonar to figure out uh, where you're actually at, you cannot meaningfully move forward. I think this is where people, most people get stuck with regards to I frankly, I mean, whether or not you have expertise or not, uh, is oftentimes I think thinking that it you somehow already have it in you. Right. So to Adam's point about like somehow it's just about trying harder or committing harder or whatever the fuck. Um, most of the time, what you need is just it. You need it because you don't fucking have it. So you got to go get it. Right. And oftentimes that's by even figuring out what is lacking is oftentimes best done by talking to other people who do have a thing that you want. Right. Uh, or who are similar in the in the same boat where they're trying to get toward the thing that you uh, are trying to get toward. So joining a yeah. community where you can kind of again uh, assess yourself based on based on what other people are able to see, uh, as well as what they're doing, is oftentimes like the best way. Whether it's reading online, uh, actually joining a community, whatever that's sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and I think so. I think this is because to me, then this brings it to like what I think of as the real point of all this, which is, I guess, to answer the original question too, is not about action. It's about yeah. understanding what it is you're even trying to do, yes. right? Because getting in there is about saying. And when it comes to see it to the uncertainty side of like, um, of if, if all you have are the questions, right. And so you're not, and, and the idea of moving forward to me means answering the questions. Right. And mm-hmm. that could mean by learning how to do something, there's all kinds of things that, that could mean. Right. But if all you have are the questions and, so, and the idea of like, well, I want that, but all I have are the questions. Right. And you're not answering any of those questions. Right. Mm-hmm. Then that's when you're not Get in there. getting in there yeah. because yeah, the core so, so. question all the time is basically, what and why, what? Mm-hmm. right? What, what and why, why, what is it you're trying to do? What does that even mean? And why, like, what is the actual problem that you're trying to solve? And I think the problem with a bias towards action is that it focuses on solutions, not on problems and problems yes. are the actual thing that you need to fully understand because that's what tells you what solutions are available, needed, etc. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you need to understand that part. And the only way to understand that part is to explore it. 
get in there. Yeah, the, get in well, there. well, the bias, to me, the bias toward action, interestingly, is kind of like it is you now trying to answer the questions. Yeah, that's the yeah exactly right. Yep. And so yeah, so like as a to kind of bring it back to the the tennis thing, you know, I think a lot of these kinds of things that bounce around in people's minds are framed as what if. Right. Where people say like, oh man, what, what if I did this? What if I wrote a book? What if I learned how to knit? What if I learned how to play guitar? Right. Which is a really weird question to ask because. Because uh, yeah, what if? What, what if? if? You know? It's the what, wrong question. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so people, people ask themselves those questions, um, but they rarely answer the question. Okay. What if you learned how to knit? Then what would happen? Yeah. What, what do you think would happen? What would it look like for you to be able to knit? And what kinds of activities? What would your day look like? What kinds of who would you be interacting things with? Would you? Who? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what would that be like? Right. An- answer the dang question. Right. And mm-hmm. sometimes answering the question does mean um, incurring a lot of time and expense and whatever. So, so in Sampy's case, you know, it was that. What, what if I actually went onto the pro tennis circuit and and tried to do this thing that I've been always wondering about my whole life, right? Um, and so, you know, she, she and I talked about that, and she was framing it that way. And I'm like, yeah, what if? What if mm-hmm. you did that? What would happen? And she's like, I don't know. I'm like, well, do you think you should, you know, what figure that out? Yeah, what would happen? Um, and and so so now you know now she's doing it, and she has a bunch of answers mm-hmm. to a lot of those questions. Um, some of them are positive, some of them are negative answers, right? Where it's like, okay, like you get to play all this tennis, you get to do all this stuff, you get to travel and do all these things, but also like it's expensive and you're alone a lot, mm-hmm. and you you know, and you're gonna lose matches too, and mm-hmm. that's hard. You know, because it's not just about, oh, I'm just going to suddenly like take the world by storm and win every match, right? Yeah, um, spoiler alert, uh, every dream is a mixed bag. You know what I mean? It's a mixed bag and, and there's good parts and there's bad parts and it's hard. And and part of then that, that you know, working toward answering those questions is that reevaluation step of saying like, okay, like, do I still want this? Yeah. Is this what I thought it was? Is this going in the direction I thought it was going? And you have to, you know, continually readjust. But if you just sit at the begin, the starting point, and just keep saying "what if, what if, what if," then you haven't gotten in there. Mm-hmm. It's about exploring. You know? But there, it is important to know with all this stuff too that the amount of information that you get to have um, about stuff, uh, if you don't have like access to the thing already if you're not already deeply in there, you know, is very uh, limited because um, so much of it is experiential, but also because people hide shit from you, right? So, because what you see, what's presented to you in like professional sports is this romantic view of like, oh, like think of all the shit you see on like, you know, ESPN or whatever. Right? It was like oh, these yeah. like epic music clashing titans. And then like you see people getting up after they've won something and like, and they talk about how dedicated they are to their craft. And like, and that's the message that you're getting, right? You don't actually hear about the day-to-day work of doing that stuff. Yeah. And I think, uh, and so another example of that from like my own home situation is like modern medicine today, right? So like, so my wife went to med school, went to res, mm-hmm. she did the whole thing, right? And hated it the entire time because she was being lied to the entire, like there's the romantic view of like, what does it mean to be a doctor, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you're saving lives. Like you're just like upstanding person. Like you're respected, you're paid well, like all these kinds of things, Right. Okay, well, what's the practice of medicine actually like, though, right? Well, it's you don't get to practice healthcare because insurance companies decide, right? You're mm-hmm. part of a corporate structure, so the hospital's trying to make money. And so 
it makes you do things so it can bill people, right? Mm -hmm. You're actually now choosing between do I financially fuck this person over or do I fix their health, right? Like, do I save reality? Do I save and ruin their life yeah, or, at the same time, <laughs> right? Yeah. And that's the reality, actually, of what it means. And then, and then, you're like, and then you're just drowning with paperwork because the government's constantly trying to legislate medical care, right? And so, like, the you're on call. The, 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 you're working a lot. Yeah, you're on call. The, yeah. the the reality of modern medicine is that all the things that are supposed to be the good things, like, aren't really even there. And this was before COVID. This was before COVID. <laughs> yes, Christ. Yeah. I can't even. It, it was like this imagine. before then. Yeah, and. And there's this idea as you're moving through it that like, oh, well, I just have to get through the shitty part first. Because that's also what we're, we're also all taught, right? It's like, mm. oh, you got to like work through the shit work right? your way to up. get to the part where it's good. Work your way up the ladder. Like and the, the bottom of the ladder is in shit and mm -hmm. you just got to get out of there, right? For some reason, yeah. For some reason. It's always every, yeah, every industry. <laughs> yeah, but like, the reason yeah, these things. You're going to be treated like shit for 10 years, but then it's going to be awesome. Yeah. And then you get there, you're like, oh, wait. No, and this never is mind. true <laughs> in academia where they're spitting out far more PhDs and there are jobs and those jobs keep paying less and less and less. You know, like, like. The, the romantic idea of what most of these things mean is so far removed from the actual practicality of it. Yeah. And the curse of the whole system that we have is that most of that is either intentionally hidden from you or just not something you could understand without sufficient context so that by the time you learn it, it's too late. your investment into that is so high and you're probably under, like you've probably taken on debt. You probably not, you, you have all these like, costs even incurred when you could have been doing other things and like all this kind of stuff, right? And so it's one of those things like it, it's important to pull is it the wall off your eyes? I don't even know what the fuck that means actually that I say that. Whatever that means. You know how you get wool on your eyes? <laughs> you know you know that the experience, <laughs> the universal human experience yep. that we all have? It's like when you walk yeah, through, you know, like a bunny web, right? Where there's just like a bunch uh -huh. of sort of just like wool, you know, just sort of spun yeah, across bunny the door. Wool. Oh my God. How bunnies, they spin wool like spiders. You know, These are the ones with like creepy. eight legs, right? We're pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they jump real high. Get yeah. in your eyes. This is true. Like, and we've talked about this. We talk about this a lot for the games industry too, right? Where it's like it's against that dream of like, oh, I'm making video games. Like, video games are fun. I'm making that for a living. I'm so, people are so excited to play the stuff that I make, right? And we've talked a lot about the reality of making games, right? Like, we still talk mostly positively, and we enjoy our work because we've made it something we can enjoy, yeah. right? Because we run our own show. Mm -hmm. But if you talk to the vast majority of people working in the games industry, they're miserable, right? Because the actual day-to-day -day practicalities of what it means to actually do it is so decoupled from like the romantic yeah. ideal from what it, from what it feels to play a game. Yeah. It's not <laughs> yeah. it's not quite the same. Or even just what it feels like it should be. Like if we're all in here making games, like shouldn't we all be having a good time? You know, like yeah. But which but I, I think, think is a fair that's a fair assumption of what should be true, right? That should be true. That, yeah, you should try to make that true every, yeah. everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. Yep. But yeah, but that that then kind of to kind of put a bow on this, you know, this whole Dude, episode. I, I think that just comes, it, it comes right back to that question about talking about salaries, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's that you do need to be asking the whole time, like, am, are things on track? Am I on track? Are things the way that I want them to be? Mm -hmm. Um, and you need to be able to ask those questions and talk about those things with the people that, you know, can answer those questions. Right. Because I think it's about curiosity. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. well, because if, if, if you just get in there, right, yeah. let's say, let's say you do say to yourself, what if I, what if I wrote a book and you start writing a book and then you're like, I hate writing books, <laughs> mm -hmm. then great. That's something you've learned. Right. And yeah. now you can stop, can stop and go move that. on to something else because who cares? You yeah. know, um, you, you went far enough to answer the, the what if question and 
And it's totally fine to change directions yeah, now. You, you, you don't know? want to be so precious about a dream that once you start making it a reality and it turns out to not be a fucking dream that you somehow can't just put it down. Just pick a different thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, don't live in the past. Don't live in the live present. Live in the future. That's not also, that's not good. Yeah. No, it, it's not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only God. live in the future. <laughs> Ignore everything Ignore around everything you. else. If you take one thing from this episode, <laughs> let it be that completely ignore everything around you and your circumstances mm, and yes. only think about only think only about have bunny wool on your eyes. Yep, I think that's right. Yep. That's right. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Uh, so we'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.